0: Good evening, ready to get started. We're at uh, the very top of Daphnun Tess Tes Aleph, the very top word. And tonight we're going to overlearn just a drop. We're gonna to go to the Mishnah, which is halfway down on Samech Amun Aleph. And then tomorrow we'll learn a lot in a little bit to get down to the bottom of Samech Aleph Amir Aleph. And then we'll be ready for Shabbos. As a reminder, tomorrow, uh, Thursday, there will be no in-person shir. I will pre-record in the middle of the day and uh, post accordingly. So uh, we've been discussing a very uh, strange machlokas in the Gemara, and it's the machlokas between Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Akiva. What is the machlokas? The machlokas is, uh, in what direction does the Kohen go around the Mizbeach inside the Heichal? I'm seeing here that the lighting is a little rough for those of you who are on, that's a little better, there you go. So in what in what direction does the Kohen uh, do the smearing of the blood? Do we go the appropriate direction when you're facing the arrow and you rotate to your right? That's the shita of Rabbi Or do we hold like Rabbi Akiva and we go to the, go around the left, which is the backwards way? And as the Gemara explained at the very bottom of Nun Chesim and Bez yesterday, he didn't have a choice because according to Rabbi Akiva, here's what he'd be doing. He'd be walking from the Heichau, from the Kodesh, and he would come to this corner first, but he skipped it because the Pasuk said, Viyata. he has to pass him his back. So he passed him his back. He did the southeast corner and then had to come back. So once he was coming back to the left, he did all of them to the left. That was the Gemara's answer. So then the Gemara says on the top of Nuntes Medalef, and we're going to learn this sugya for the first half of them. When Vibaysema, there's another way to explain the machlokas between Yossi Aglibi and Akiva. Remember, Yossi Aglibi says to go to the right, Akiva says to go to the left. If we're talking about someone who's walking with their feet, as opposed to standing still, then within that camp, Everyone agrees that if the Kohen Gadol is going to be walking around this Mizbeach, everyone agrees that that we do learn um, uh, about this room, about the inside of the Hechal, from outside the Hechal, from the Mizbeach HaGadol, that just like by the Mizbeach HaGadol, Outside, we go in in the appropriate order to the right. So to inside. However, here Rabbi Yosi and Rabbi Akiva are having a different machlokas. Says the Gemara: miflagei, mar savar Rabbi Akiva seemed to have been of the opinion that he was standing here at the southeast corner, and he wasn't walking, but he was smearing via dim. His feet were planted. Remember that this whole mizbeach inside the inside the kodesh inside the heichal was one ama by one ama. If you take your arms and you make a square, that's about how big we're talking. It's about a foot and a half by a foot and a half. It's not very large. So Rabbi Akiva would stand right here. He was biyad. He'd stand here, smear, 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 going the wrong way in order to compensate for the ein ma'avir la concern that we had already passed the Southwest corner and that's why uh, he holds what he holds. Fourth line, Nun Tessamud Aleph, Umar Savar HaKaf HaBiregel. Rabbi Yossi Aglili was of the opinion that he was walking with his own two feet, and because he was walking, therefore, he actually, he started over here, he actually would go to the right, he'd start in the northeast corner, and walk around in the appropriate counterclockwise direction. B'yi by the Gemara presents another possibility as to how to understand the machlokas between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yossi Aglili. B'yi by Everyone agrees. Both Rabbi Osi Haglili and Rabbi Akiva agree that we're placing the blood, we're smearing the blood on the Mizbech Zahab with our hands without walking. Your feet are planted by the corner that you're at, um, and what we're talking about is just standing there and reaching over and spreading it. So, if that's the case, what then is the machlokas between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yosi Haglili? According to Rabbi Osi Haglili whatever we do when we're, when we're standing with our feet planted and we're only reaching over with our hands, we still learn the same rules as we would have had we been walking, which is to go counterclockwise to the right of the Mizbeah. However, Umar Sabar Loyal Finan Rabbi Akiva says we do not extrapolate from regel to Yad. Namely, even though Rabbi Akiva agrees that had he been walking around the base of Mikdash, it would then have to be counterclockwise to the right. But since he's standing still, the halacha of going to the right doesn't apply when your feet are planted and you're only reaching over. So therefore, Rabbi Akiva, if he was standing still here, he would just reach over with his hand, one, two, three, in the opposite direction. And that's totally fine because it's Yad, it's not regel. your feet are planted and we only have to go to the right uh, if you are walking, this is actually mashma in the language of the Gemara that we've quoted a couple of times. Pino sha tapone. Every time you turn a corner, it has to be to the right. But here, you're not turning anywhere. Your feet are planted. So it's meduya to say such a thing. However, the Gemara rejects this possibility. Seven lines down on test the Sava HaGlili HaKafa The way you presented this previous distinction between Rabbi Akiva and Rebiyosi HaGlili, the way you presented it is that each of them are standing fixed, their feet are planted, and all they're doing is reaching around the Mizbeach. Rabbi Akiva is reaching around clockwise, which is the wrong way, and Rabbi Osi Aglili is reaching uh, around the Mizbeach counterclockwise, going to the right, which is the appropriate Says He says, that can't be. Rabbi Osi Aglili was not of the opinion that his feet were planted. How do we know? Because Bahamid Katani's Katani Seifa, what does the end of our Mishnah say? The end of our Mishnah says, Rabbi Eliezer says in the Seifa that he disagrees with the Tanakama and that he should stand still. What does that imply? That the Tanakama does not hold that the feet were planted and he was only using his hands, and therefore, therefore, we reject this most recent distinction between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi and we fall back on the previous answer, which is that that one of them is walking, and one of them is just standing still and using his hands. The person who's standing still and using his hands is Rabbi Akiva, and because he's using his hands, he doesn't have to go to the right, he can go in any direction he wants, and he chooses to go to the left because he passed over the corner that really should have been first, which according to him was the southwest corner. And Rabbi Yotziaglili was of the opinion that he was walking, and therefore, because he was walking the halachas of Kol p- Pinos you mean that anytime you're walking, it has to be to the right. Yet another distinction. Uh, the Gruh here takes out the next six words and it, and the, he explains that on the next line, we're about 10 lines down where it says Mar <laughs> saviv It's an explanation of the previous sheita. And here is how the Gemara reads: Mar saviv zone. According to one shita, the way, we, uh, the way we navigate, the way we go around the Mizbech that's panimi inside the heichal, this one, the Mizbech hazav, is the same as in regards to the chiton, and that we walk around it. That's the shita of Rabbi Yossi Aglili, who's counterclockwise going to the right. Rabbi Akiva, is of the opinion that... No, you can't compare the two because this whole thing is one ama by one ama. That's the size of one of the corners of the Mizbech on the outside. The Mizbech HaGadol was huge. It was 32 amos. I think it was 32 ammos. it was massive. And the corners of the Mizbech were this one by one measure. Again, if you extend your arms out in, in a square, it's about that size. It's a very, very small space. That's what we're talking about here. So shita number one says, we learn which direction we're supposed to walk from the Mizbech uh, even though it's huge, even though it's literally 32 times as large. However, the second shita says, you can't even compare them. This is the size of one of the corners of the Mizbech and therefore you can stand still, which would be the shita of Rabbi Akiva. And that brings us to a brisa which supports this last answer and will... Uh, basically end this part of the sugya and we had asked our question yesterday and continued it at the beginning of today which is what what is the difference between the shita of rabbi akiva and rabbi osi aglili why is it that rabbi osi aglili felt that you had to walk and could only walk counterclockwise to the right which is appropriate and why did rabbi akiva hold that seemingly your feet were standing together and therefore you could go to the left tanya the brysa supports this amar rabbi ishmael Rabbi Shmuel says, Wow, could you imagine such a thing? The few Jews who lived to, uh, to, to straddle both Batei Mikdash. Now some of Fortune take out the word Rishon to say that they just were Kohanim. But according to this version of the Gemara, as we have it in front of us, it seems to be that they were of the opinion that, uh, that these Kohanim lived both in the first and second Bethlehem for a gap of some 70 years. So it says the Gemara, Ze-Omer, one of these Kohanim says, Ze-Omer, bi I, I did it with my hand. Namely, I stood still. Who is this? The Shita reflect who sheetah does this reflect? This is the sheeta Rebi Akiva, who stood still and reached over in the wrong direction. The zomer Beragli Hakafti, I actually walked around with my bare feet, and that is the shita of Rabbiosi Haglivi. Zeno Saint Zeno Saint and each of them gave a rationale for the reason. Zeno Saint Tamladvarov Saviv Dimitzbeh Panimikit Saviv Demisbehito according to the Shita that reflects the opinion of Rabbi Yossi Aglili. The reason why you have to walk around this Mizbech that's inside the Heichal, the Mizbech Azov, is because the way that we walk around this Mizbech has to reflect the way we walk around the Mizbech that's outside the Heichal, and therefore because we walk around that Mizbech to the right counterclockwise, therefore here too we have to walk around the Mizbech counterclockwise. However, halfway down or almost halfway down, there's a Zeno Saint Tan Kule mizbech pnimi the entire Mizbech on the inside, the kai. What are you talking about? You, you don't have to walk around this. That's crazy. It, could you just imagine? You, you 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 tell someone, well, if you have to walk around your house, then you have to walk around your car. They're, they're incomparable, the sizes are so drastically different, and that would, be, would, would reflect the sheets of Rabbi Akiva, that therefore explains the machlokas that we started with today, the machlokas between Rabbi Yossi Haglibi, who says that we go clockwise, counterclockwise to the right, fulfilling our regular rule of <coughs> and Rabbi Akiva, who says we don't need to do that because he, his feet were planted, he was not walking, he was simply reaching over, and therefore he went clockwise the wrong way to the left, everything is of very clear. Here. That brings us to the two dots halfway down, Anuntes Amud Aleph, says the Gemara, Masnitsen uh, money. sorry, skipped the two dots there, Rabbi Eliezer Omer, we said that Rabbi Eliezer said that he had to stand there, he didn't have to walk, he just had to stand there, remember the Mizbech was very small, says the Gemara, Masnitsen money. who is our Mishnah like? So that's a strange question, it's Rabbi Eliezer, because it says Rabbi Eliezer Omer, so why are you asking who this is like? Ah, so what we didn't know is that the two Talmidim or two of the Talmidim of Rabbi Eliezer had a machlokas as to how to understand the sheet of Rabbi Eliezer. So what we're going to see now, we know that Rabbi Eliezer is the author of our Mishnah. But according to which of his Talmidim is the nuance of our Mishnah? That's subject to a machlokas, Rabbi Judah and Rabbi Meir. Says the Gemara, and Mani, it's Rabbi Yehuda. What does Rabbi Yehuda say to Tanya? How did these two students misunderstand their Rabbi? Rabbi Meir Omer that Rabbi Eliezer Omer b'mekomo o'minu that part, that part is correct, but wh- where does he do the smearing? On all of the corners, he would start up and then smear downwards, <laughs> except for the one that was opposite him, caddy corner to where he was, <laughs> So let's assume that he was standing right here. So then he would smear uh, here, and then here, here he would do the opposite direction. Instead of doing down up, he would do up, up. Instead of doing down up, he would do up, down, and then another regular smear. So the one that was opposite him was the one that was difficult to, to, to do down up for the smearing. But Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yehuda argues with Rabbi Meir and says, you misunderstood, Rabbi. What did Rabbi Eliezer say? Rabbi Eliezer Omer, I agree with you on that, Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Meir, you did good there. But here was your mistake. The uh, alkulan who knows, say Li-Lamata Lamala. On all of the corners, the smearing was done from down to up. Except for the one that was immediately in front of him, not catty cornered to him, immediately in front of him. And he did it this way to make sure that it would not uh, get dirty. It was down to up. Why was it down to up? Because what happens if you're holding a liquid in your hand and you raise your arm? liquid drips down your arm and when you're wearing a sleeve that's super annoying and when you're wearing begotten levanim, it's going to get very dirty so what they did is they had him hold it but they would quickly smear downwards so that there wasn't time for the liquid using the gravity as he's moving up for the liquid to drip down his arm to be mitafson uh, mitafson uh money to get his clothes dirty and that is why um our mishnah is like reb yehuda because Rabbi Huda was of the opinion that he did the, close, the corner that was closest to him in a different way of up to down, whereas Rabbi Meir had a different opinion. So therefore, as our Mishnah opened halfway down, Rabbi Yehuda, he is like the Sheet of Rabbi Huda. And then, after he did the smearing, then the Avod of the Kohanim took another turn, which is that he did the smearing on the Mizbech, but that then he had to do Hazah. Then he had to do a sprinkling, smearing and now sprinkling. So tells the Gemara, what's the Pasuk? He had to do a sprinkling on the holy part of the Mizbech. So let's see. It's the halfway point of the Mizbech. Take a look at Rashi. Rashi is almost exactly halfway down on the page. What we're talking about is the height of the Mizbech. So if this were 3D, the height of the Mizbech, says the Gemara Taro is the halfway mark on the height of the Mizbeah, says the Gemara, inche, like people say, when the sun shines, when it's very bright outside, then we know it's the halfway point of the day, when the sun is right overhead, it's extremely bright, it's also bright for the rest of the day, what exactly did they mean, I don't know, it was a catchphrase that they used, whenever we see Kedamre Inchi, it means that it was catchphrases that people would use And uh, the Gemara says that, therefore, we know that it was halfway up the height of the Mizbeach. But does the Gemara, two-thirds of the way down, two lines before the wide lines, hold on, hold on one second. You're saying it's halfway up the height of the Mizbeach. That's not correct. What did the Brites say? When he does this Hazah, the hazah after the smearing, which is done on the mizbeach hazahv, mazeh lo al gabe ha-efer, al gabe You're not allowed to sprinkle on on top of the ash, and you're not allowed to sprinkle on top of the coals. You have to clear a space on the top of the mizbeach. But what is extremely clear from this brisa? It's not on the side of the mizbeach. Our Havamin in the Gemara was when we said it's Taharo, that it's halfway up the height of the Mizbeah. But this Mishnah, this B'risa says that that's not correct. This B'risa says that what are you supposed to do? Move over some of the coals and some of the ash from the top of the Mizbeah, and that's where you do the sprinkling. Therefore, the Gemara acquiesces and says, First of the long lines, Al Amarababar of Shila Al Galuya de Mizbeah. You're right. You should do it on an open place on the top of the Mizbech, not halfway up the height of the Mizbech. As the Pasuk writes, ha-shamayim la-tohar, That it should be toward the Shamaim upwards on the top side, the side that faces the shamayim, And that is where one should do the sprinkling. So we've done a lot of different avodos. Let's just review. Here in the Aaron, we did the k'tores, We did the sprinkling of the Dam of the Par. We did the sprinkling of the Dhamma of the seir. Then we came out. And then on this side of the parochas, we did the sprinkling of the par. We did the sprinkling of the seir. And then by the mizbech also, sprinkling of the par. And the sprinkling of the seir, we spoke about that yesterday. And here we do smearing of the blood and then another sprinkling. A lot of action going on in the base of Mikdash. So it says the Gemara, let's continue two lines down. Tanya, this is a great b'risa, two lines into the white lines. Hananya Omer, bitsad svoni who knows saying, where does he do the actual hazah? So he does all the, all the smearing, he does it here. On the northern side, this is where he does the sprinkling facing south. Where He sprinkles this way onto the Mizbeach, but from the north side. Rev Yossi Omer bitsad Dromi who knows, he says, no, this sprinkling is done from the south side of the Mizbeach facing north. So check out how we're gonna connect Two different machlokos. Right now the machlokos we have is whether or not the um, the sprinkling that's done after the smearing is done on the north side of the Mizbech or done on the south. Now we're going to connect it to a different machlokos as to where was the opening of the parochas. Take a look at the Gemara, three lines into the wide lines. What were Hanania and Rabiosi arguing about? Mar according to one Shita, pischa bidarom The opening by the parochas was on the dharam was on the south. So what does that mean? So take a look at his walking pattern. Here's what he'd do. He would go, he was in here. He would leave from the south. And we said he'd be yotza. he had to pass the Mizbeach. He would come over here and he would do his ricos. And where would he finish? Invariably, whichever way you go, you end up finishing. If you go this way, you end up finishing here. And if you go the other way, you end up finishing here. But either way, you're finishing on the north side. Now, where are you standing? On the north side. So because the opening of the parochas was on the southern side, and therefore you had to start on the southern side, by definition, after you finished the smearing, you were on the north side. So therefore you do the zrik on the north side. It's inappropriate to go to another side of the Mizbeach because that would not be uh, appropriate because of Ein Ma'avir and Allah So if if the opening of the parochas was on the southern side, and then you started the smearing on the southern side, you'd finish the smearing on the northern side, and then perfect! Do your, do your zrik on the north side. That's what it means when it says that the opening was on the south and therefore the smearing was on the south. It started there. The smearing would finish on the north. Zrik asadam is now on the north. That's sheeta number one. However, says the Gemara, sheeta number two is a little different. Umar, savar four lines into the wide lines, pischa safon kai. The other shita was of the opinion. This is the sheeta of Rabiosi. Uh, I think it's Rabiosi. Rabiosi says, let's see what he said here. Rabbiosi says, yeah, Rebiosi says that you did the sprinkling on the south. So what did he do? He started here. He started, he said the opening of the paroches was on the other side. So he exited the parochas on the north. He would come over to this far corner and start. And since he was starting on the north, he'd finish his ricos on the south. He'd finish his smearing on the south. And then he'd do his ricos right there. So this machlokes, of which side the rica was on, was dependent on whether or not the opening of the parochas was on the north or the south. Beautiful. So that's what the Gemara says. Where are we? We're a few lines down into the wide lines. And says the Gemara, de Gamran Matanos de Everyone agrees that wh- that wherever you'd finish the smearing, the matanos, de gamran matanos, whenever you, wherever, whichever side you'd finish the smearing on north you if you finished on the north you do the zrikos on the north if you finished on the south everyone agrees that you would do it on the south so everyone says hey the matanos hasam gago my time oh, what's the reason says the gemara because that place where you are is a special place on makom shamtiro. on the place where you did the holy stuff namely the smearing that's where you would do the tarot where you would do the haza Beautiful. So that explains that piece of Gemara that brings us to the Gemara four-fifths of the way down, about 12 lines from the bottom of the page of the two dots. So now we're going to talk about where we discard the blood. So the structure of the uh, the of the Mizbech on the outside is that uh, you would go out of the Ulam right here. See, You go out of the Ulam and then the large Mizbech was there. Now I put a dotted line here And I put the Mizbeach um, north of the line, we'll discuss that in a couple of minutes, but here's an important fact to note. There was only a base surrounding the uh, Mizbeach on the western wall and on the southern wall. There was no Yisod on the other two sides. And at each of these Yisods, there were holes in the ground for the blood to drain into. So that's why anytime we see that the blood was put, yisod ha-mizbeach, it has to either be the southern wall or the western wall of the Mizbeach HaGadol. Okay, let's dig in. says the Gemara, um, if there was extra blood, so then if there was extra blood after you did your smearing and sprinkling, you'd walk out, the kohen Gadol would walk out of the Heichal, walk out of the Ulam, and this what, what was the first thing he saw? The western side of the outer Mizbeach. So there's a yisod there. Great. So go dump the blood right there. That's what the what the Mishnah says. And then the Gemara explains itself. The Gemara says, the Amar Kra, Dam when he leaves, namely when he leaves the Hechal and the Ulam. Which Yisod does he encounter first? Behahu Eresha. When he walks out, it's the western yisod that he passes first. Therefore, the um, expulsion of all of that blood should be on the Western Yesod, Yesod Ma'aravi. However, if one were to have been doing an avoda outside of the Beis Hamikdash, outside of the Heichal itself, a regular chatos, whatever it was, then that blood would go on the southern side. It says the Gemara, Tanir Rabban, and the bright right. 10 lines from the bottom. Yesod HaMizbech, Yesod dromis. When a person does an avoda outside of the Heichal, or Korban Chatos, whatever it was, that, that blood, when there was extra blood, was always poured on the southern wall, by the yesod on the southern wall. Ata omer deromis. You say that it's on the southern wall when you have a chattas and there's extra blood, you pour it on the yesod deromis. O el Maybe we should say that really you should put it on the western wall. says no, amris. We should learn about how to do the blood pouring of extra blood outside of the heichal from what we did inside the heichal what did we do when you walked out what was the first thing you saw you saw the western wall the well the western wall. you saw the western side of the mizbech the western yesod and the same would be true when you would come down the kevesh you'd come down the Kebesh and the, the ramp and the first thing you'd see is the southern wall so therefore you would dump all of the blood from all of the korbanos that were done outside of the heichal that blood would be put here. So namely, the only blood that was seemingly ever put on the Western Yisod was blood that came out of the Heichal because that was the only time that Paga, Ber- Paga Beresha, that was the only time the blood would hit the Western Yisod first. So it says the Gemara, just like when one would leave the Heichal, they would put the blood, the same, the which Yesod was that? Ze Ma Ma'aravi. That's the Western Yesod that he would encounter first. mean, ridastom, minakevich, b'samecho, so when you come down the ramp, what were you then closest to? The Yisod that was the Southern Yisod, Deromi. Beautiful. Tanya, take seven lines from the bottom. Rabbi Omer, no, we don't agree with this. Ze Yisod Ma'aravi. According to Rabbi Shmuel, both the extra blood from inside the Heichal. And the extra blood from outside the Heichal was always put here on the Western Yisod. Machlokas, Reb Shimon ben Yochai, Omer, Zevazay, Yisod, Deromi. No, it's not going to be that when it's the Heichal, it's the West, and when it's outside the Heichal, it's the Southern Yisod. This Machlokas is drastically different because Reb Yishmol the opinion that all bloods that are extraneous get dumped on the Western Yisod. And Reb Shimon ben Yochai says, no, all bloods that are extraneous are on the Southern Yisod. So then says the Gemara, I could understand the opinion of Rabbi Shmuel who says that all bloods, the extra blood from the Heichal, and the extra blood from outside the Heichal get dumped on the Western Yisod. Why? Because we can say that the sassum, the unknown of where the blood should go, halachically speaking at least, the pesukim are not clear about where the blood should go from a korban that's outside. Maybe we should learn it from what we know already, which is that it's from the inside. What did we know about the Heichal? Dvarim shoot, and that's for sure going to go on the west. We know that. What do we not know? Blood of Achatos, blood of other Korbanos. Good. Let's learn one from the other. Everything should be on the western side. Good. That I understand. Elarub Shimon Ben Yochai, my Taiba. But according to Shimon Ben Yochai, what type of Svara do you have that everything should be on the southern wall? At the very least, when you walk out of the Heichal, the first thing you see is the western side of the Ezote. says the Gemara, a seemingly difficult answer. Uh, my time. Well, what's the reason why? Amar Kasavar the Darom Kai. He says that the opening of the ulam. This is why I drew this dotted line. That when you when you walk out of the ulam, you don't actually hit the western side first. What you see first is the southern side. The the bath was actually ranked was was actually elevated north. Above the center line, this is a very difficult sheet in light of previous things that we've learned because we learned according to another sheet that the homie's back was south of this center line and still a third cheetah that it was approximately centered. So this is a difficult sheet to understand. And by the way, even if it's true that it's north of that center line, so what? You still get to the western yesod first. It's still in front, it's right there. Even if it's north of the center line in the southern walls, but when you walk out, I'm still closer to the Western yisod than the southern. It's a difficult piece of Gemara. Okay, it says the Gemara, four lines from the bottom. Tana They were teaching the Halachos of Rabbi Shmuel. His sheet said that it's both on the Western Wall. And they were teaching it, Ben Yochai. They were teaching it in the Yeshiva Rabbi and Ben Yochai. And they said, Zebezei Yisod drumis. And what do we see here? The Rabbi Shmuel changed his mind to agree that it's never the Western Wall. It's always going to be the southern yesod, and whether or not the, the extra blood is from the heichal, or if the blood is from the chatos, doesn't make a difference, blood always goes on the southern yesod. It says, the gemara, uh, The the gavre in plural, the men, change the mind of the man. Namely, the base Medrash of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai changed the mind of Rabbi Shmuel by saying that the Holmes Bech was elevated above the halfway line. And that brings us to the two dots, two lines from the bottom of the page. Says the Gemara, When you do pour the blood onto the asode and it drips into the holes and then it drips into the, uh, to the waterway that will then exit the Beis HaMikdash, we said that uh, in the Mishnah, okay, then it's, uh, it's subject to Me'ila. So says the Gemara, hold on one second. Meir was of the opinion that there is me'ilah. But the other shita says that there is no Mi'ila when it comes to um, there is no meila when it comes to blood. So we're gonna talk about this discussion. We've actually had this discussion before, um, and we're gonna dig in yet one more time all over again. Ain and this brings us to the top. Of the Testament, based as mentioned, we're going to be going to the Mishnah on Sanh. And Aleph. Let's continue. Says the Gemara. We're only talking on a rabbinic level. But everyone agrees. behind that There's no me'ilah by blood. How do we know that this is true? Because we have a number of psukim quoted by a number of different Amoraim and a number of different psukim. Amar amar kra, the Pasuk says, the blood, when you do the blood, the blood's for you. That's in order to generate kapara for you. You can't do me'ila with, with something that belongs to you. The blood's yours. It was yours for your kapara. Done. Debei rabbi shimin tana lecha the Pasuk says, lecha per, lecha peronetatib. I gave it for your kapara. the Lola me'ila. Rev amar kra, who the Pasuk says, who? Lifne kapara kela akar kapara. Here we make a comparison of Uh, the comparison of before the kapara to after the kapara after the kapara has been achieved by the hazas adam or by the by the smearing of the blood the mitzvah was done already there's no miila after the mitzvah is done then even beforehand we'll make a heckish and say that therefore there is no with blood at all says the gemara maybe not four lines from the bottom of the testament base. maybe we should make the heckish in the other direction how so? Before you do kapara, the blood's not yours. Before you do kapara, there is me'ila, because that still belongs to a Baruch Until you do the Zerika, the blood's not yours. Um, so then three lines, but, but before the end of the page, maybe we should assume even afterwards that there's still me'ila by the dam, and therefore maybe Midorah that there really is me'ila by blood, says the Gemara, no. ein once a mitzvah is done, Mi'ilah is off the table," says the Gemara. That's not true. Below, I can give you a great example. Says the Gemara, last three words on the Testament base. Take a look at Rashi. Last Rashi on the page. What does Rashi say? The pasuk says you should put the ash next to the mizbeach and the drasha that we made many times already in Shas. The ton needs to be buried. Alma, what does it imply if it needs to be buried? Aser behanah. Then you're not allowed to benefit from it. Ve'kevan de Mishum kedushaso. It must be that Because it's so holy that you can't benefit from it, it must be that there's an iser me'ilah. You wanted to say in the Gemara that there's no such thing as meila after a mitzvah is performed. You're wrong. Shumasadeshen is the example. That's going to be the are the, the thorn in the side. Why? Because Chumash still has Me'ila after the mitzvah is done. The mitzvah is Haram HaTeshen, I'm done. I moved it, it's over. No, it's not over. There's an Isra HaNah and therefore an Me'ila. Says the Gemara, no. You can't learn, you're right about the Halacha. You're right that there's an HaNah. That's true. You're right that there's Me'ila. But you can't learn anything from there. Why? These two psukim are exceptions to the rule. And when there are two psukim that teach something, it's like saying the following okay, all of you in the room, um, person number one and person number two, you're invited for the meal. What's implied? The rest of you are not. So that's what the Gemara is saying here. When you have a pasuk that's explicit by two different halachos, so once we have two halachos that say one thing, that they're still in Isra'i meila after the mitzvah, because it only says it by two areas, and it says it specifically by two areas, therefore no other mitzvos, no other isurim, have that isur anymore. So there is Me'ila by Chumas Adeshen, there is Me'ila by Big Day but you cannot learn anything out about blood because the halakha is that Shnei Habayin You have two psukim that teach us the, that these are the exceptions. The Chol Shnei ain't You cannot learn from those two things. They remain the exception and not the rule. So therefore, Chumas Adeshen and Big Day Kehuna have but blood does not and that's where we want it that's that that's a good answer so it says the gemara three lines down that's all fine and good according to the sheet that it says that when the Pasik says that's great if you want to say that the uh that the begot of the coin that they need to be put into geniza and therefore there's nisr meila you're right that it's snake sub and You have the ister by trumas adeshin and ister by the big day kohen. However, Rabbi Dos has another shita on the begadim of the kohen. What does he say? Although the Reb big day kohen. No, Reb says that the clothes of the coin gadol can be used for a coin head yod. What does that show you? That there's no ister And what does that mean? It means that now there's the only trumas adeshin that has an ister after the mitzvah. And our, now we're really stuck. Because now we have a precedent for a mitzvah having been completed and still having mi'ilah. You can't say, because that other pasuk, according to Abdosah, there's no ether mi'ilah there. And therefore, Kasha and the Gemara, maybe we should say that blood has an ether says the Gemara, no. It's true that according, even according to Reb Dosa, it's true that there would, there would be no me'ila by the big day, Koen Gadol. However, there's another Pasuk that Reb Dosa holds as part of the Yisra me'ilah, and that is, Truma is number one, like we and egla Arufa is number two. And therefore, we're back to our answer, which is, don't worry about the blood. The blood is uh, is the rule, and Truma uh, is the exception to the rule. So says the Gemara, we have a more fundamental problem than all of this, which is that I could understand if you say that when you have two psukim that uh, highlight a halacha, that therefore you can't extrapolate from those two to others. But not everybody holds that way. Says the Gemara, according to those who say that even when you have two psukim that highlight the same halacha, that has an instrument you after the mitzvah, and that has an instrument you after the mitzvah. But there's a sheet in the Tanayim that holds that you can still learn from those exceptions to other cases. So then why in our case would we say that, that, that there's no Isrami'ila dam after the zrikat after Taddam? The, says the Gemara, because there's extra psukim there. That's for a detailed reason, for a technical reason in the Pasuk. Last sugev for the night, that's really all connected. Why do we have three different sukkim that speak about blood? So says the Gemara, one teaches you that yes, blood is usher to eat. However, no, there is no isher of nosar. If one were to consume blood after the expiration time, they would not have violated the isr of nosar. They would have violated the isr of eating blood, but not nosar. Another is this example, which is our case which is to make an exception and say that there is no isser of me'ilah, that if a person were to eat blood even if the meat was subject to me'ilah, but the blood is not subject to me'ilah. and last but not least tuma, that even if the animal was tummy but the consumption of the blood it doesn't have the same isser status of tumma aval mi pigul when it comes to pigul there lo tzarch le we didn't need a fourth pasuk to talk about blood to teach us to exclude why not? Because it's non, three lines before the Mishnah anything that has the capacity to create a matir. What is the matir by an animal? It's the blood. It's the blood. It's the. <laughs> so then, <laughs> that I don't need a passing. Like that you're going to be chayavan if there's devar from for matirin. However, the dam atmo matir, because the blood was the matir, the dam itself is not subject to. Uh, is not subject to the Isser of Pegel. So uh, therefore, we did not need a Pusik there. We're going to stop right here at the Mishnah. I'll be recording uh, somewhere in the middle of the day tomorrow and posting. I'll uh, I'll send a message in our WhatsApp group wishing you all a beautiful night.